On August 5th, Iran inaugurated a new president, putting an end to the eight-year presidency of reformist Hassan Rouhani, and it ushered in a new hardline government. The new president, Ebrahim Raisi, is said to be handpicked by the supreme leader, Ali Khamenei, the man who controls Iran's religious and political ideology. Mr. Raisi is a hardline cleric who won his election amid accusations of corruption and historically low voter turnout. He's taking the helm at a critical time. Nuclear talks, social unrest, and economic struggles are set to be top of his agenda. Iran's economy is in tatters. It's plagued by sanctions and government corruption. Iranians are jobless, many struggling to eat and pay their bills, and they're largely cut off from much of the rest of the world. Weeks of protests over government mismanagement of resources like water have also led up to Raisi's inauguration, starting this new era off on shaky ground. The new president had vowed in his campaign to continue the nuclear talks in Vienna in an effort to get U.S. sanctions removed and help relieve some of Iran's economic pain. He also tempered his usually hardline rhetoric around Iran's domestic policy. But now, a week since President Raisi was inaugurated, Iranians are already seeing a change. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Leila Garagoslu, and this week we're talking about the future of one of the world's most closed-off countries, Iran. Iran is a country that has had, to say the least, a fraught relationship with the international community since its infamous revolution nearly 40 years ago. Now, with nearly 80% of its population under 35, and many of whom are jobless, with continuous social unrest and the COVID-19 pandemic to deal with, the nation has elected an ultra-hardline president. Ebrahim Raisi has taken over the country in a time of crisis. Iran is in its fifth wave of COVID and is struggling to contain the virus. Thousands of Iranians are getting sick, and many are dying with virtually no access to a vaccine or even regular medical treatment. Mr. Raisi also came into office just a few weeks after mass protests over water scarcity in Iran's farming region, Khuzestan, took hold of the country. Iranians across the country took to the streets to protest lack of water and years of governmental mismanagement. Generally, the last few years have been marked by protest. In 2019, Iranians faced some of the deadliest protests in nearly 40 years. Over the two weeks of protests, human rights groups estimate at least 1,500 Iranians were killed by governmental forces. Iranians were protesting high fuel prices, lack of jobs, and an overwhelmingly repressive government. Both inside and outside Iran, Ebrahim Raisi is known for a few things. His role in the mass execution of political dissidents, his aversion to the West, and his harsh sentencing as Iran's judiciary head. In the 1980s, Mr. Raisi was put in charge of what is infamously known as the Death Committee, a group tasked with dealing with dissidents in the early years of the Islamic Revolution. His dark legacy was cemented over the last two years as judiciary head, where he sentenced activists and dissidents to the death penalty. 
He is also said to have used Iran's court system to suppress those very 2019 protests. Also in 2019, Mr. Raisi was sanctioned by the U.S. He is also on trial currently in Sweden for his alleged crimes in the 1980s. He is, however, also being groomed by the supreme leader to potentially succeed him. Despite his past, Mr. Raisi spent the election softening his stance, promising to lessen the social restrictions on ordinary Iranians. Iranians face a myriad of everyday restrictions, restrictions that many of them attempt to skirt around. There are laws that dictate what people can and cannot wear. They force women to cover their heads. Books, movies, and TV shows must be approved by the government. Iranians are forced to register their cell phones with the government. There are restrictions on people's ability to use the internet freely and to even use social media. Iran's hardline parliament is also looking to enact a new law that would criminalize the use of VPNs. The new law would also require major foreign tech companies like Facebook to register with the Iranian government and be subject to its oversight and data ownership rules. I think if it was up to Raisi himself, he would probably really try to open things up a bit, give people some breathing space, if you will, not only in terms of alleviating their economic hardship, but also trying to open up the social and cultural spheres a bit, just to be, in fact, working on his own popularity. That was Adnan Tabatabai, co-founder and CEO of Carpo, and an expert on Iran's political space. Adnan has spent his career following the ins and outs of Iranian politics and advising European governments on the best way to deal with Iran. His company, Carpo, has also worked to facilitate track two civil society dialogue between Iran and countries like Saudi Arabia. Adnan warns that Raisi's softer approach may not last too long. The issue is, however, that there are people, hardline elements of the conservative principalist camp, that expect from him to take over their agenda because they helped him to enter the presidential, uh, uh, the president's office. And uh, therefore, we can assume that he will be asked and demanded to take a harder stand uh, when it comes to uh, social issues, etc. Um, but whether or not he will win this tug, tug of war or whether he will have to give in to that pressure, um, this question is really open. Iran, much like other places in the world, also faces broad partisanship. However, unlike Western democracies, the infighting also includes harsh societal restrictions and rules on its people. Over the past two years, Iran's domestic politics has taken a turn. Hardliners in Iran's government have gained control of parliament and blocked most of former President Rouhani's policies, instead enacting new laws that create even more restrictions on ordinary people. Negar Mortazavi, an Iranian reporter, takes a less optimistic stance to Adnan when it comes to where she sees Iran's domestic future. Negar says this new hardline president is most likely going to be similar to Iran's last hardline president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Mr. Ahmadinejad is most often described as a firebrand in Iranian politics. He rode in on a populist movement promising change. 
His eight years in office, however, drove Iran even further from the global stage. He was combative, repressive, and very conservative. I think Ibrahim Raisi's presidency as someone from the core of the hardline faction is going to be somewhat similar to the Ahmadinejad era, which is the closest we saw before Rouhani's presidency, that it was, which led to a closing of the political space inside the country internally, a more securitization of the domestic space. I don't think there will be much more social or political freedoms when it comes to Iran's domestic scene. There will probably be more pressure on critics and dissidents and journalists and political activists who are seen as opposed to the hardline faction. Back in 2015, Iran, the U.S., and Europe achieved what many thought would never be possible. The three groups agreed and signed a nuclear accord that would put restrictions on Iran's nuclear facilities, thaw relations between Iran and the West, and lift sanctions. It was, at the time, a testament to diplomacy. Unfortunately, the nuclear accord, known as the JCPOA, did not last. In 2018, President Donald Trump pulled the U.S. out of the agreement, violating the accord and imposing unilateral and crippling sanctions on Iran and its people. With the election of President Biden, the U.S. began a fresh round of talks with Iran in hopes of getting a new deal. The problem now? Iran's new president's hardline, anti-West stance. Ebrahim Raisi isn't just a change for Iran domestically, but his foreign policy doctrine, which he outlined in his inauguration, is likely to impact ongoing nuclear negotiations between Iran, the U.S., and Europe. The world situation is changing rapidly. How well the countries can protect their interests depends on their understanding of the new world and strategic interaction with emerging powers. A balanced foreign policy is a successful foreign policy. The meddling of enemies in the region will not resolve any problems, as it is itself a problem. These negotiations are not a fix-all for Iran's economic problems. But lifting U.S. sanctions is likely to help Raisi achieve some popularity domestically. It's a difficult juncture right now because the negotiations, as many of us expected, didn't finalize under Hassan Rouhani, the outgoing president. So Ebrahim Raisi will come in with sort of these half-done talks that are not finalized. It's not something that he's going to inherit. And his new team are going to now be in charge of negotiations with the United States. And this makes things more complex and difficult. I don't even know if the nuclear deal is going to be possible because that's sort of what we saw under the Mahmoud Ahmadinejad administration. There were nuclear negotiations, but they never finalized into an agreement. So there are a lot of unknowns right now, but I think any kind of diplomacy and negotiations with the West, especially the United States, is going to be more difficult under the new hardline president. The open secret of this new presidency is that Mr. Raisi's foreign policy is largely tied to that of the supreme leader. Ayatollah Khamenei has specifically directed negotiations to take place, meaning Mr. Raisi can take a harder stance, but talks won't stop. The U.S. and Europe have already signaled that talks are likely to restart in September. 
They had previously been put on hold until after Mr. Ricey took over. Adnan's view of what could come of these talks is more hopeful than that of Negar. He believes that the new Raisi administration and the hardlining conservative political groups have the will and the mandate from the supreme leader to get a deal done. Actually, I still am convinced that there is willingness to seal this deal or let's say to, to seal the revitalization of this deal. But we have to understand that there are new boys in town, if you will, that are trying to present themselves as being those who can achieve an even better deal or can be uh, um, stronger in, in, in Iran's uh, posture towards the U.S. They are now making some noise. I am a bit concerned about uh, the prolongation that comes with it to finalize the revitalization of the JCPOA. But I, in fact, am still convinced that down the line, uh, the entire system, the entire political class of Iran wants this deal to be revived, regardless of the problems that may come two years from now, uh, when sanctions lifting has to go through Congress. Iran's survival requires this new president to take action both domestically and internationally and to do so quickly. But that's difficult when the country is being led by a man that is himself sanctioned by the U.S. and has caused global outrage for his role in mass executions and harsh sentences of activists and journalists. As Nagar says, he's not going to be able to run away from his past. Ibrahim Raisi is tied to the mass execution of a large number of political prisoners in the 1980s in Iran. He was part of this death committee who made the decision. And he's also been tied to harsh sentences being um, given to protesters in the past couple of years that he oversaw the judiciary. So he comes with a massive baggage. And the international community has no, is noticing this. We've seen human rights, prominent human rights organizations being very active and vocal about his past. It's not something that they're going to let go. And this is definitely going to complicate Iran's relations, especially with the West, both with Europe and also with the United States. These human rights um, violations and allegations of the past are going to haunt him. I don't even think it's going to be simple for Iran to have bilateral uh, relations with some of these Western countries for Ibrahim Raisi to be able to travel um, to Europe or let's say to New York for the General Assembly, which is something Iranian presidents have been uh, doing for, for many years. All of these are going to be complicated and it's just going to be an unsavory relationship and set of negotiations when it comes to especially these democracies where human rights are seen um, as an important factor. Adnan thinks this will be a particular issue for European countries that have much more exposure to Iran. I have no doubt that this will be a major issue for uh, Raisi in, uh, in the future for uh, Iran's foreign relations, because most governments, particularly those in Europe, will not be willing to pay the price that they have to pay domestically in their own capitals, in their own constituencies, for outreach with Iran with, with such a president at the top. And uh, the, the disincentives of reconciliatory messages towards Iran will be just um, much stronger. It's hard to predict the future of a country like Iran, where the population is young and restless, where the political landscape is rocky 
and its international standing tenuous at best. But the next four years in Iran are likely to be some of the most pivotal. As the new president concludes his first week, he faces a tough four years at the helm of a country teetering on the precipice of change. He's facing a mountain of problems with no easy fixes. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Leila Garagoslu. Thank you to our guests, Adnan Tabataboyi and Negar Mortazavi. This week's episode was produced by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison and Gully Burroughs.